Welcome to the Inspiration Accelerator, hosted by Michael Sonberg, founder and CEO of Rebel Culture and Skyrocket Education. Each week, we'll talk to a different, inspiring person in the world of leadership, personal development, career, family, fitness, and beyond. Buckle up for the Inspiration Accelerator. All right, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new episode of the Inspiration Accelerator. I am here with a uh, a really close friend and somebody that I'm super excited to have on the show today. We were actually talking before we hit uh, before we went live. We've known each other since the year 2000, um, so uh, 23 plus years. And his name is Brian Marr. Uh, he's a musician. He's a songwriter. Uh, he's a music producer. He is the lead singer, front man of a, of a band called Black Suit Youth. They are um, they're on a label called 59X Records out of Atlanta, Georgia. He is also a new dad and somebody that I am proud to have played music with for a while and to uh, to call a friend. Brian, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Maybe we'll play music again. Who knows? You know, you <laughs> just wide open. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny. I uh, I got um, I got roped into a uh, uh, like a side project uh, a couple months ago with some people who you know. You don't know this story, but some people who you know. And we went to the uh, to the studio, and they were working on like the uh, the part for like a bridge and a song and whether it was going to be four bars or eight bars. And I was absolutely <laughs> miserable. And I went out into the parking lot and I was just like on my phone and I told them, Hey, listen, if you want to write songs, this is cool. I can't, I don't want to be involved at this process. I want to wait till like the songs are done. And I, yeah. I found it like I lost my, I lost my passion for, for songwriting. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, Well, that I have my, my passion for that level of overthinking I've certainly lost. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> It's yeah. I, no, I don't lose my passion for songwriting ever, but I do like lose the ability. I'd say from time to time, like you know, you just get a writer's block, depending on what else you have going on in your life. Like you know, when my kid was first born, those first couple of weeks were so hectic because yeah. just it wasn't the easiest pathway into the world for him and my wife. You know, so they were in and out of the hospital, and it was difficult. And just the lack of sleep and just I was going on all these interviews at the same time and doing all this other stuff. I had to take all these tests and all these certifications. And it was just like, you know, there was no ability to do anything creative because all the bandwidth in my mind was just, you know, siphoned and used towards just getting through the day. And I would just, if I had a free moment here and there, I'd try to sound the guitar and I couldn't write anything. It was just drivel, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But, it, but then all of a sudden the inspiration comes back and then it'll come in waves. I, I can write something that's okay, something that's decent, and then I'll get a couple ones I consider to be good, you know? Yeah. And then it'll, you know, like like the muses will channel it through you ethereally, and all of a sudden you'll have it again. Yeah. And then and then it goes away. <laughs> it's it's weird, you know? It's The guys like Desmond Child or, uh, you know, Holly Knight or people who go out and they write songs every single day and they're all good. That I, I'm envious of. I don't know how you do that, you know? Like... <laughs> You know? Yeah, and you, you bring up an interesting point. I think it's important for anybody who's in the creative space. I mean, for years, I thought that whether it was uh, music or or because uh, I'm a, I, I like to refer to myself as like a recovering novelist. I, I've written 
five novels, two of which got published. I don't recommend that anybody seek them out, but I read them both. Uh, I, I got them on this bookshelf back here. They're I have on the bookshelf. Them. All right, right on, right on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for a lot of time, I operated like um, inspiration was uh, some sort of divine intervention and that I would write when I was inspired to write versus what all the pros do. Everybody who's ever been great at anything creative where they treat it like it's an actual job. And I know that for most of us, we have actual jobs. And so it's hard to treat something creative uh, as your job, but even something as simple as uh, simple as waking up an hour earlier and writing for an hour each day, or, you know, today's today's Sunday, this is the first time we've ever done an interview on a Sunday, but I've been up for, you know, this is a pretty early interview. I've been up for, for uh, well, four hours. At this, this is point. early. <laughs> yeah. So I've been up for four good. hours at this point. Yeah um and i've been working on a book i'm working on and my my, nice. my my point is you know the the treating any of this stuff like it's an actual job versus waiting for the kind of the 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 hand of god to 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 touch us i mean does that how does that factor into your creativity it's certainly better to be prepared. It's certainly better, like when you train for a race, you know, you're going to perform better if you've been practicing every day up until that point. So that yeah. if you have the channel open, if you're like constantly, you know, keeping your fingers loose, when the inspiration does come, you're going to be able to channel it and use it more effectively, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're all human beings. Some days you just, you just don't have it. Some days yeah. you go to work and you're just tired at your job, you know, and other days you're crushing it, you know, <laughs> but, but the key is consistency. I do agree with that, you know, like to always attempt to create, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a great, it's a great point. Um, talk, let's talk about, uh, I, I, I want to get to uh, the, really the big thing here, which is this cross country journey you went on back in 2015 that really, you know, was, was life-changing. <laughs> but before we get there, speaking of life-changing, you're, you're a new dad. How old's your son? He was born at 420 on new year's Eve. So he is <laughs> nine months and a couple, uh, he's getting like to nine and a half months. So he's just at the point where he's breathed oxygen as a gas more than a liquid. Finally. You know? Nice. Nice. What, what, um, well, congrats, uh, congrats Thanks. on your son. What is the, the change been i mean when you're a musician and particularly as somebody who leads uh, uh leads the band right the front yeah. man there's something about uh, i mean I've, I've said this about myself for years that when i was fronting bands i was part part of the reason why i did it because i was starved for attention and i wanted everybody <laughs> totally. to look at me right <laughs> of course. what is it what was it what's it been like for you to take a, a total back seat to um to another human uh somebody uh, that you created what's that experience been like for you i mean it's it is like the most all-encompassing joyful amazing thing i mean obviously some days it can be frustrating and overwhelming it's just sure. there's a never-ending litany of things you have to constantly do as you well know i don't know how you have how anyone has more than one child i mean i'm, I'm <laughs> drowning under the weight of just this tiny little baby you know what i mean just everything just besides like the bottles and just constantly cleaning and sterilizing everything and then yeah. you know these bath and dishes and just trying to find a second to breathe to clean the bathroom once a week you know like <laughs> it's, it's it's amazing how much you know you have to do you know uh but yeah, I mean, it was funny, too, because the first time I got back to the band, it was a couple of months later, we had a gig yeah. that had been, um, it was on the books since, you know, 
middle of his conception who had some friends from uh, coming up from Tennessee we were going to open for. And pretty much right now, the only time we do gigs is when like a band we've met out in the road is coming to New York and needs an opener, which is great because we, we like to play early. So that's good now, you know? Yeah. But um, it was funny. The first gig it was like, I guess he was two and a half months old. And I felt bad having to go out for a night and not being there to like support my wife and back him up wow. and give him his bottle for three hours. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. it was, uh, you know, I felt like almost like a betrayal. But, you know, you have to get out and you, it's good for your mind. It makes you a better parent to do something else and decompress and come back too because you don't want to be carrying all of that stress and weight of the one thing you're doing. You need a release in some fashion, I think, you know, to make yeah. you a more relaxed, better person when you got to deal with a crying baby at 2 a.m. and you have to be up at 4 a.m., you know, like. Yeah, I think it's it's a phenomenal point. I, I um, you know, I travel a lot for work, uh, which um, I know you know. And uh, I find that, um, I mean, look, would I would I love to have dinner with my my wife and kids every night? Um, I I would. Um, it's I, I, I. This is gonna sound crazy, but I I just I almost feel like me being here less often makes makes when i'm here uh like it's like an event and i get up for it i'm never just going through the motions as a parent or as a husband because i don't do it all the time so i almost get up kind of in the way that you and i would would get up to play a show like it's an event it's important it's big so i bring like my a game to it and whether we're talking about something on for for me like on more of like a macro level is like i'm away often or even just getting out to step away from from whatever the thing is to then come back to it in a more intentional way is a really important it's an important distinction i i imagine there are people listening to the to the show right now who are thinking about things that they may be going through the motions on right like it's the whole you know and i've catched myself doing it my kids are talking to me but i'm staring at my phone for no (laughs) fucking reason at all it's so stupid like but i'm like i'm cognizant of it um but it it barely it rarely happens because because i'm so cognizant of it i I, it's good you have that self-awareness though because a lot of people don't i see them walking right into traffic on their phones you know it's insane you know like yeah yeah but it's good to be like i you got to earn however you got to earn and it's important to be impactful when you're there but what the phone is a good point is the technology that we have now is that you can be away and you can zoom in you know like my wife took my kid to the Jersey shore. I couldn't go at that for whatever, you know, I usually try to be involved in everything, but um, I had to stay here for work related stuff. And I had to miss a couple of days of a vacation and, you know, they were zooming in and checking in from the beach, you know, and That's I'm cool. not there specifically, but I can still wave to my kid and he can recognize me and smile, you know, <laughs> it makes good. a difference. It does help, you yeah. know, like, yeah, it's a big deal. It's so big they're not deal. totally a controlling <laughs> curse, <laughs> the, uh, the phone, you know, that's a good point. That's a good point. Take the good with the bad, right? Um, talk to me about your uh, this journey you went on. Really, this, this is a, such a powerful, um, a powerful kind of you know uh, revelation for you and a, and a life change. So walk us through kind of who you are and and this this cross country journey and who you became after. It was a spirit quest, man. No, but it was uh, <laughs> honestly like like a life reset was what I was looking for. I was like very unhappy in every facet of my life. I didn't like what I was doing for money. I was having a string of bad relationships. Um, and I just, just needed to get away. Like 
I always like, you know, I, I toured in bands for years. I did all the bookings for those tours. So I had like built up a network of friends across the country that I could crash at or get in touch with, you know, when my band was coming to town. So I'm like, how about I book myself a tour where I just go hang out and couch surf and I kind of just have time to myself to like, um, you know, figure out even who I am and what I want to do because it, the crushing weight of just being around here, it's just too noisy and too loud. And I couldn't like just get a good grip on what it was that I wanted to accomplish going forward. And at this point I'm already in my mid thirties. I'm like, I, you know, there's only a certain amount of time, you know, you, you can still do viable things at a certain level. I think, you know, where ageism comes into play and you can't get into certain opportunities because you're, you're past the prime of them. And I was starting to age past all those, like, you know, all those city tests and stuff. If you needed to get that job, you were too old for them and whatever. So, mm. and other things. So I was just like, you know what? I always wanted to take a long train ride. Like, you know, the romance of the rails, like going West, like the pioneers or whatnot, you know, that romantic stuff. And I, I'm like, all right. And it was cheaper a flight, like to book a train from uh, Penn station, New York to Los Angeles three days and it was like $180 or something. I'm like, yeah, because sold. they know that very few people are going to do that. So they make it super yeah. affordable. I mean, you, you can make it more expensive. You can get one of those sleeper cars, but I was in sure. gen pop, you know, with yeah. all the maniacs, you know, <laughs> and I learned very quickly who you're going to be sharing that train with, you know, <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of individuals who are given a hundred dollars by the city and told to leave types Okay, <laughs> like, got it, got it. So you get like, like it's like uh, that kind of um, that situation goes on there, but I'm cool in that situation. You know, I made a lot of friends, so you know it was nice, good. Nice. But um, but yeah, so it was, it was a three day journey, and I, my my goal initially was I was going to travel the whole country and back on land. You know, I wanted to uh, just tr you know tr trains, buses, cars, whatever. But just by virtue of I needed to be in Texas at a certain date, I had to relent and take two short flights on my trip, you know, but in general, I tried to stay on the ground, you know? Okay. But what but, was the, what was the, okay, got it. So we, we're, we're going cross country by train, got to take a couple of flights to get to Texas, but what was the, you were unhappy. What was the source of the unhappiness? I hear that, you know, weren't doing like, weren't doing uh, the work that you really wanted to do. Yeah. Found yourself. Like, I think a lot of us who I, like, I was in a pattern. Yeah. That's what it was. I was going in the same repetitive pattern of just falling back into bad habits with bad people and just not living up to potential by just settling for whatever or procrastinating and putting things off. So I was like, you know, sometimes you just have to get away to get perspective. You know what I mean? And I felt yeah. like I'm going to every day be confronted with a new situation I've never dealt with. And yeah. that's going to force me to have to think differently and act differently. And that may be, make me think and act differently when I come home best way of putting it you know yeah so that was kind of my theory on it which it did you know yeah Came with some the, processes. The, the connection to the music piece though you know i think for anybody who starts out uh i shouldn't say for anybody but for for a lot of people we know you know you start out playing in a band and the goal is that you're going to become at least for me and i think for you as well the next big musical act oh, and that, you know that was part uh, of it world famous rock star and um i'm sorry my dog is losing her mind uh, uh, in the background. <laughs> uh I, i'd love to say we're gonna edit this out but we're, we're not no, let it go I'm uh, dogs. <laughs> but that i had to get to a point of saying um like it's not gonna happen it's not yeah uh, and and for me that was it was it was hard it was really hard to 
um, to say that I'd spent all this time, not the playing of music, but the like, like we're going to be, we're going to be huge. And yeah. The idea of being a massively famous rock star where all my problems are going to be solved because I'm going to be ridiculously rich and I'm going to be able to have all these contacts and all this amazing stuff. Like, yeah, I was obviously disappointed that I was only able to get to the level of being minutely marginally known in my own scene. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Despite all these years of work and having collaborated and done all this stuff and open for famous bands, just, you know, lightning just didn't strike for uh, for me in that way unfortunately yeah. i got to do amazing stuff i'm not like uh, whatever we did no we did some we did more than other people did so i can be happy to look back on some things but it yeah i had absurdly high expectations you know and i did you yeah. know we worked together i did everything the hard way just because i had to be different too i couldn't just like i could have just put on a certain suit and done a certain thing and been able to probably do better but that's just not me. I'm just a pain in the ass. I had to do it and, and, and like try to, I feel like the, the, with a, a higher risk, a higher reward type quotient there. Um, yeah. So yeah. But, but where's, even at this where's point, that come from, or what I'm starting to be, where's that come from the, the need to, cause I have it too. And, and even though it's, I, it's, it's shifted, but like this need for, for, for fame or attention or revenge to look at, <laughs> look at us. Yeah. Revenge against, against who, for, for what? I don't know. Being an only child and, and have, you're getting all that attention, but also it's like a kind of a loneliness and, and like you want more adoration than just your parents. And then having just going to school in the school system I went to, that was violently abusive and, and like just, uh, constantly it was like lord of the flies every other day and it was like everyone calls you a loser and they break you down mentally and physically and uh just being like i'll show all of you yeah. uh, you know what i mean or or just rejection and things like that i think fuel into that fire to be like okay and then even if you were successful those people still ah, they still suck <laughs> so it doesn't matter anyway i can remember like when i was a, a skateboarder i was trying to ollie up this really high bank one time and all these kids are like you suck, you blow, whatever. And I finally did it. Like you still suck. I mean, so it doesn't matter. It wouldn't have made a difference. You know what I mean? So I that I had to get into my head. You know. <laughs> well, I think it's an interesting point because all the folks who get to that next level uh, or multiple levels up, they um, they still struggle with stuff. Yeah. I remember my my dad um my dad talking about it uh, this is this is you know decades ago but uh one of the guys from motley crew uh it wasn't when nikki six uh od'd but one of the guys from motley crew was in trouble for something and you know drugs it's probably vince neal uh, <laughs> killing yeah. razzle maybe <laughs> yeah well no it was after that but um my dad was like uh i don't get it if i was if i was them if i was rich and famous uh, I would, I would, I would never, I would never do this. I would never do that. I would never leave my house. I would, I was like, you don't understand. I go that their, their motivation, the, the reason why they are who they are is because something is broken in them. There's something to your point that re revenge, right. Against people who put you down and, and, and like a really tough school system for me, my, my thing was like needing approval because oh, yeah. I'm speaking of my dad, like not having gotten approval from him and always like everything was wrong. Everything was bad. And me being like, <laughs> you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, be, become the most famous rock star in the whole world. And then I'm going to get approval from millions yeah. because I, I couldn't get it from you. Now that's only, that's the, the 49 year old me who understands what was motivating <laughs> the 17 year old me. I didn't know it at the time. I had no idea. But I get it. I get it now. And and I, I think, and tell me if this is 
true for you that part of why I was able to let go of some of that stuff was like coming to terms with really the, the, the motivation behind it and not being beholden to being that, you know, the, the, the little yeah. kid who's getting, who's getting put down by his, True. his dad. Yeah. Hopefully as you age and evolve, you're able to actually let go, recognize trauma and get it out of your system. And once you do that, you can, you can kind of accept other things because you don't have that burning desire. Like, you know, you just cut people off that you, you wanted to show these people up, but it's like, nah, they don't exist. And if I don't need them, the motivation is gone basically, you know, like yeah. I don't need to show them anymore. So I don't need to do this thing to show them anymore, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, I, what it came down to, I, I got into the location of music because I was always interested in recording, even from a, as a little kid with a boom box, just making little mixes and, and, and recording myself, you know? Yeah. And that was always my favorite thing. I wanted to be on a, a regular label because I wanted to be famous, but I wanted to be able to, the dream for all local musicians is to make records without having to pay your own money. So achieving that dream was awesome. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. We're able to do records and not get dropped and be able to keep continuing to be creative on someone else's dime. Yeah. That is a dream come true that a lot couldn't accomplish. So I, you know, I am really grateful for that opportunity all the time. Fit X for allowing their faith in us despite diminishing returns sometimes. Yeah. But you know how it is too. the good one band on the label pays for the other 19 that are sure, struggling. Sure. I mean, that's how it, and then it's someone the else has that hit. It, yeah, totally. Like, so the, that one title lift all the boats, you know, that's always the model. And especially these days where, you know, you're just not selling CDs and records like you used to. It's all just streaming, which is nothing. So basically it's become likes as the currency. Now you're a social media person. And that was what I was fighting with my label too. Cause like they want us to be doing like a cooking show or fixing a car show or something that leads back to the music. And it's like, I'm not going to be a multi-brand. Like I just, I don't have the time to do that. You know? And I don't, yeah. my interests also aren't that varied that I could make an interesting show about one of my other hobbies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know? yeah. I do, yeah, we're getting I do. far out there now. <laughs> I know, but, yeah, I do, I do. Um, yeah. What's the what's the for you? Um, like, is getting on stage and being in front of an audience is that still interesting and inspiring for you? Is that still like I, 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 this is in just in me? I like that more than I ever did. Now, like when I was doing gigs, gigs were more of like a means to an end for me. Like I, I wasn't having fun at any of the shows we were playing because. I did all the business behind it. So when I'm on stage, I'm not connecting and rocking out like I should because I'm watching everyone in the room and I'm like, well, why are they walking away? Uh, how, how many t-shirts did we sell yesterday? Do yeah. we have enough gas to get to Cleveland from Pittsburgh? Like that's yeah. all, all the self-management shit was in my head all the time and making it not fun. Now, we, like I said, we open for my friend's bands and there's we barely rehearse and we sound better than we ever did because I think we were over-rehearsing to the point of like self-sabotage almost like i don't know like there is something true to like study long study wrong you know like yeah. we go out there now it's have a couple drinks we kick we sound better on stage than we ever have we kick ass younger kids are actually think we're good they don't think we're a bunch of old bogeys up there doing it <laughs> so it's like having that validation of approval even from like 15 kids who just moved here from parts unknown that's awesome and again living right where i am on like the queen's brooklyn border the scene is hot now. People are here from everywhere. There's clubs and bars and there's all this artists and all this stuff happening that I was involved in a lot more right before I had my kid. I mean, it's just hard to get out now on a Monday night, but you know, having that validation is cool. Like, I don't even care if we get it or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's made me have so much more fun and the feeling I'm coming away with is more electric. Like it's just more of a blast. 
and the show doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I was such a stickler for everything being like the carpenters and being like perfectly like is on the record. I don't care. It's a different animal now. I don't, yeah. you know what? I like when we screw up and now we got to find our way out of the woods. Like, how are we going to do yeah. it? Are we going to do it? There's a danger to it that I love now, you know? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> something so interesting about music that I don't think the average person gets, particularly at the level that that you're at or or even you know the level that my old band got to which is you know not 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 nearly as far as you all got but still like you're you got some good uh, notoriety <laughs> well you know but still like you know you're doing stuff for yourself right yeah. you're 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 doing your own sound check most in most cases and um you know you're printing out your own set lists and um you're there's nobody bringing you beer up on stage you've got to put your own beer like uh, just little things right i mean if you break a string on your guitar no check anymore no right i mean if, yeah. if james headfield from metallica breaks a string that somebody runs over yeah. and hands him another guitar and i i think what what uh, what is a really interesting thing about it, and and while I I don't want to speak for you, but my musical career didn't didn't kind of end the way that I that I thought it would. Which, by the way, I'm 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 grateful for because if we would have gotten mega famous when I was 23 years old, I am I am confident that I would not be sitting here talking. I would, <laughs> I would not be I would not be I would not be above 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 the the ground. I, I am I'm confident in that. I was not mature enough to handle it. I was I was Yeah, but you're a survivor old. type. I, you might have you would have put yourself through some shit. I have no doubt about that. Well, but I don't think you would have been dead. I don't know. <laughs> well re regardless, um you know even though my musical journey didn't end the way that I that I thought it would have originally there's something that you learn from, as to your point, being in front of a crowd, being in front of a crowd that might be hostile towards you. We've had beer bottles thrown at us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the guitar player breaks a string and now they're playing everything like kind of differently, but the same. Yeah. And it's live. I mean, the, the most recent show that, that we played uh was actually with you all was back in 2018. It was that autism benefit. Yeah. That we did. That was a great show. I was packed. Yeah, yeah you guys, yeah, you guys, you guys killed it. Um, actually, was that uh, maybe that was two? I think that was May of 2019. Actually, um, yeah, it was that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was May of 2019. It's the last show that I played, and then the first show that we'd played in in years. My my band, and I I go to grab the mic, and during the very first song, and I realize that there are. This is going to sound so ridiculous, but there are wires all over the place under my feet and which i i, I mean <laughs> wires and music go hand in hand but for whatever reason it was like triple the amount of wires i don't know why there were all these fucking wires and now i'm like standing on uneven ground yeah. and here i am it sounds like the most minute thing but i've got a there are a hundred people here or more who are who are ready to listen and i'm like i don't have my balance i'm like i can't i'm so now i'm like and it's those. Hey, listen, you're there to things. sing. You're not there to stand. All right. Yeah. So don't worry about your balance. <laughs> exactly. But it's that type of thing multiplied by a hundred that I'm convinced have made me more able to handle like conflicts at work, conflicts at home. Like, like, have you found that that music's been almost this like prep, prep, um, almost this prep program for for life in general? Oh, I mean, fighting, chasing a concert promoter down the streets of Boston to get my money. Yeah, I mean, that'll definitely yeah. teach you about conflict resolution. The guy locks himself in his car to, to avoid you in Cincinnati, you know. <laughs> 
But um, yeah, I mean, because you encounter issues, you know, I mean, we were on tour with another band and uh, we, we were we became endeared to them because the tire blew out on the bus and it was their bus. They were taking us along huh. and uh, they, they were all pulling the money together for this dually tire, which was expensive. And we all got our money and we were like, hey, we'll kick in like. You guys are going to kick in. I'm like, well, we need the tire as much as you do to get to the next city, man. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And other bands, they never do. They're like, I'm like, those guys suck. I mean, yeah. we all got to get here. So, like, you know, she's been doing the right thing, having each other's backs because, yeah, when my string breaks, one of those guys might help throw me their guitar. Yeah. Or, um, you know, they'll sell merch for us because we couldn't afford to bring somebody this time or whatever. Like, so that, you learn about helping each other out and you learn about, conflict resolution because eight guys in a fucking van can get hairy in certain situations when some of them want to go to sleep and others want to do drugs all night, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Right, right. But, but even, on, in, even in the songwriting you know? process too, I mean, talk about conflict resolution. I mean, even in the yeah. songwriting process, there are lots of arguments about like, is what's the best idea? And there are people who want the the song to go in this direction and people oh, want yeah. the song to go in another direction. I mean, if you're, so you learn to try it, (laughs) you learn learn to to try both, right. You learn to try things, but you also learn that you're like, your idea is not always going to, going to make it. And And it's not always good. (laughs) Right. That your idea is not always good. And there are things I think, you know, I can speak for myself, but I imagine you have examples too, of like things that you were really attached to whether it be a particular song or the name of a song or like a, the birth a, of Chroma, man. Yeah. That was a song yeah. we wrote years ago. Yeah. And I yeah. think you were right anyway, in the long run. <laughs> but yeah. Well, just remind me of the story there. You really liked the song and I, I wasn't a fan <laughs> of it. Correct. You guys wanted to change it to like a more traditional structure. And it would have been the only one that wasn't, it was more of a, like a, white rabbit type bolero and i wanted to do something different and you guys were like no <laughs> like you know <laughs> got it got it got basic it basic gist or whatever yeah and everything was it... life or death back then you know we had to practice on christmas and you know, we were crazy you know like well, you know, we, we were so dedicated with the lights yeah. off too um oh, yeah. So, so, that... yeah so you couldn't see your hands yeah, yeah yeah we used to practice with the lights off uh, and I was the one who was adamant about that because I was like, you know what? We don't know what the lighting is going to be like in these different <laughs> clubs. And we're like, we can't count on being able to see things. So it's interesting that it was my idea considering I didn't play guitar. So you all have it's to funny. deal with the repercussions of that. Yo, yo, but that prepared me because then we were renting Tomas's garage and the fuse would blow and we'd be in the middle of a song and have to finish in the darkness because the lights would go out, but the, the, the lower electric would remain. So we could still keep playing, but we yeah. just have no lights. So yeah, we'd be in pitch blackness, like finishing a song, Just you know, so we could do it. <laughs> At least I got could, it. you know. Like, got it, got it, got it. Um, there was uh, uh, th- this idea. I mean, what do you think about the state of music today? I mean, we um, we look at, I mean, you know, Taylor Swift is the biggest star yeah. in the in the world, but there's also a lot of the bands that we grew up with. I mean, Metallica is doing a, a, a world tour right now and yeah. Pantera's back. And I know the whole, like the streaming <clears> thing is a real hot topic. Uh, a friend of mine recently said that he was talking to a pretty big band who said, we're, we're not musicians anymore. We're traveling t-shirt salesmen. Um, because I've heard that many times. It's a common refrain. Uh, yeah. Folks, that's where they make their money. What do you think um, about the state of music and will we ever get back to, you know, bands putting out really big, meaningful albums, or is it mostly, uh, you know, singles and Justin Bieber collaborating with Little Wayne and things like yeah. that? What's what are your thoughts? 
I think you could put up the old man yells at cloud meme right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I think it's gone back to the beginning where it's more singles driven because singles drive the metrics of Spotify. You can put up a record, it's great, but the next week you got to put something out. So every time you put out a song, for instance, it can catch the other songs back up and keep you going. So it's like putting more money into a slot machine. So there's always an onus. Right, so hold on, I want to be here. Everything. So there's a there's a a benefit to releasing songs in an incremental way yeah. versus just releasing because an album at once. Everything time. in streaming, whether it's YouTube, whether it's your thing that you're doing, is all content driven. You have to keep creating more content to keep watering the plants from the last content. Okay. Everything, everything, all the climb drags everything else along with it is the idea, and that's how the algorithm picks things up. So there's onus on constantly being creative, which is why I think a lot of people are putting out shit, you know, because they're putting out things that aren't songs, especially in like, I think in the Latin era and in the, uh, a lot of the hip hop is just vamping on one part. It's not even a song anymore. It's just a vibe with a couple of lines for a minute and 30 seconds so that you can chop it up on TikTok. And mm. it's created artists who like are famous on TikTok where people go to their show and they rap along to the first verse and they don't know the rest of the fucking song and it's silence <laughs> and it's really weird. You know what really? I mean? Like that's a I new phenomenon no that this. never happened, you know, wow. unless like the song was like the James Addiction song at the beginning of Entourage or something. Maybe you only know the first line. Oh, sure. Because sure, It wasn't yeah. a popular song, but that's a rare example. Um, yeah. And as far as Taylor Swift, my issue with her, Taylor Swift and Adele are sucking up all the world's vinyl, not necessarily them personally, but their labels are to make 60 different versions of each record to sell one to Walmart and Target. And then their completest fans buy them all. And there's not enough vinyl to go around to all the indie bands, which raises the, the price and that the wait times are extreme now. Like if we want to put out a record, we, we were probably going to do a vinyl for our next album. We were going to release it this month and we had to we figure out, you know what, we have to push it to like February just because the wait mm -hmm. times are so... And we also had an issue getting the art, so there are things to push it back beyond that. So but, you're talking about there, you're talking about the actual physical vinyl. Yeah. You're not, vinyl this is, is not is, a, a euphemism here. You're talking about actual records that they vinyl, are putting... Even people collect vinyl don't even listen to it. They just keep it on a shelf. It's like their yeah, Funko like Pop yeah, whatever like, they collect. You know? yeah, it's art. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So vinyl is bigger than it has ever been and the labels are cashing in. They're, re, they're reissuing all their back catalog of records that no one's cared about for a hundred years. You know what I mean? You go to like the mall now, you're going to see like Dr. Dre, the Chronic next to like Jefferson Starship next to like Burt Bacharach. Like who's buying this? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's not, there's not enough new vinyl like yeah. bands it's hard for indie bands to, and bands now are just doing very small pressings because it's so exorbitant you used to be able to do 300 it costs 100 to do 300 now you know what i mean like got it, got it. and you got to sell them higher to make your money back so it's like kind of a loss leader it's just to get your name mm -hmm. out there too you know yeah so there's that and the vinyl i can go on about all these things but <clears throat> excuse me legacy bands are still out there and they're taking some new bands out with them that's definitely good but i don't know if any bands are catching fire you know like yeah, but I do, MTV, cool, you know? I, I do think it's cool, man. I do think it's cool. It's like to see a journey on tour. Even I mean, <laughs> it's not with the original singer, but to see a lot of these bands going the out. Toto's opening. <laughs> yeah, Toto opening for Journey. I mean, those weren't. I didn't really grow up with those bands, but it's still cool to see a lot of these bands out there and to see that there is still an audience. I saw that um, Smokey Robinson is uh, on tour, which I thought I've always been a Smokey Robinson fan, which I was That's great. pretty psyched to see him. He's got to be in his 80s at this point, right? He looks good, though. He's yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah.
but also everybody being back and on tour means there's less tour buses. So they're more expensive. You know, it's like, it's just, it, there's always a flip side to everything where it's like, yeah. you know, the, the industry where like, it's hard for bands coming up to get into these better venues now because every band that's ever existed since 1962 is back on tour. Like that's yeah. difficult, you know? Yeah. Even on, in the Long Island scene, I'm glad to see some of these bands that I grew up loving are back reunited or doing these one-offs, you know, but that's taking away from new bands too, booking those nights. Now maybe that's good for the venues because these old bands can get everybody together one night and, and you sell them out. Yeah. But yeah. I like what Silent Majority did was they brought on Koyo, which is like a new band from Stony Brook that's crushing it. So they got them in front of people that maybe wouldn't have heard of them and they made a lot of new fans, I think, you know? Yeah. And they continue yeah. to push them, you know, and that's what the scene always was about. Everybody yeah. lifting up the new generation. And there was a point where things kind of went into a repetitive circle of staleness where new bands, yeah. they can't get in there. The gatekeepers are still the same gatekeepers, man. That's the funniest yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. Can't get past them. You will know? you, uh, last question, man. Will you, uh, will you, um, push your son in the direction of playing music or will you say stay away or will you, he will be, be a hedge fund broker defrauding a foreign government. No way. No, <laughs> um, no, um, he, it's funny too, cause I'll play guitar for him and he's like, what is that? You know, but he's so young. Um, look, I'm going to let him do whatever he wants to do. Uh, I mean, unless he wants to like do wheelies on a moped down the street and kill himself, but you, you know, won't it depends, like, push you know. him in the direction of music. You won't say, like, like do do this, put a guitar in his hand, that type. No, of thing. no, I'll be like, hey, this is what I do. Uh, if you're interested, you could give it a try. I'll show. I will teach you if you want to learn. But I'm not going to force him to do anything. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not. I I, I feel the him. same way. I mean, <laughs> we um my my daughter takes guitar lessons. My oldest takes piano lessons but not for like the you're going to be in a band but because music is awesome and it matters yeah. and nobody's and it's a, a language yeah. it's a language and nobody's at a house party uh reading uh the sun also rises to a group of to but they are playing you know paradise city by guns and roses and the whole place is like or whatever the song is and so like music is you know for me music matters immensely but um my my i will uh not tell my kids to start a band um as much as it taught me and as much as i am yeah. who i am today because i did that i will i will to your point i'll say uh become a, maybe not defrauding foreign governments but uh yeah. college uh career and uh and if you like to play piano at at a party that's cool too plus you know we don't know what's going to happen like nothing new has really happened in a while everything is very derivative like you know it's I walked down my streets of my town, all the, the, the these like 18 year old girls walking around Queens who look like the girls that I dated in the nineties. Like, it's just funny how things in this cycle. And yeah, some the of the music styles, is yeah, like, they come back. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's well, I'm glad I didn't throw out half my old clothes. I can, I'm cool again. But, um, uh, but it's like, it's just so interesting. Like the, even the new music, it's very derivative. It's kind of grown with electro. It's kind of, this. it's nothing. No one's done anything revolutionary new. But yeah. I feel like somewhere out of somewhere, you know, some kid in Singapore is going to like come out with something that no one's done. And maybe that will get all these new kids psyched to do something mm. in the scene or something like so. Cause, like, it's hard cool. to predict, you know, what like K-pop became so huge, like in yeah. America, which that was like that kind of a phenomenon that kind of came out of nowhere, like which and that's still derivative of Western music, whatever. But it could be something totally new and alien. Mm. It could come out of Africa. Who knows? Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Well, you gave us a lot to think about, man. I appreciate your honesty <laughs> as always. Um, 
where can people find uh, find you and find your band and check out some of your music? I mean, you know, you can find us on Spotify. That's that's the discovery tool. It's on YouTube. You know, Black so, Suit Black, Youth. Black Suit Youth. Okay. Black Suit, so, as in like a tailored suit for young guys, even though we're not. Um, yeah. And then uh, Instagram at Black Suit Youth Band. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, and Google's your friend. You can find us through there if you want to cool. check it out. And uh, our song Outsiders doing really good for us right now. I think that's a song everybody would dig. Summer's over, but it was a good summer banger. So, you know, put that on on the last night, maybe. <laughs> all right, man. Well, appreciate uh, appreciate that. We'll also list all your info uh, when the show gets, when this episode gets released. Thanks so much for coming on, Brian. Um, appreciate your candor and your uh your even even though you're you're getting older and you're melting <laughs> out there's still uh the there's a fire in your belly <laughs> same as when i met you back when we were in our, our 20s and 30s so um i'll see you i'll see you soon and and for everybody who tuned in thanks so much we'll see you next time on a uh, a new episode of the inspiration accelerator hell yeah man thanks for joining us for this week's episode Please look out for a new episode with a new guest every week. This was the Inspiration Accelerator with Michael Sonberg.